Somebody say, I give myself away. A show of hands, who gave themselves away today? Who, a show of hands, who was brought to an ex- a, a level unimaginable today? You, oh man, I, I saw so many of you on a, such a different level. You can put your hands down now. I saw so many of you on a whole nother level. And you were just like, you were praying. But at the same time, you had this eyebrow up like, oh my goodness, what is going on? And the Lord said, I'm about to mess you up, boy. Or girl. (laughs) Oh man, I was just feeling it. Within the second song of worship. Oh, I was like, Jesus. I was like, Lord, I feel the fire. I feel a passion. I feel a desire. And it's not coming from me, God. It's not just coming from me. It's coming from your children in front of me. It's coming from this person in front of me. It's coming from this girl over here, Lord. I feel, I felt the desperation in your heart. I felt, I'm telling you, I felt the fire that was burning inside of you. I felt the fire that was burning and kindling and just rotating around your stomach. And I saw the fire before me and I said, I will not, I will not let this go. I will bring Elevate through your Holy Spirit, God, on a whole nother level, Lord. Use me, Jesus. And I got up on this stage and I said, whoever is not baptized, you better get your butt up here. So many of you, nobody wanted to get up here. And the Lord had to point you out. On a show of hands, who has been baptized in the Spirit, speaking in tongues on fire tonight? Who was baptized today? Show of hands, come on. Come on, Jesus. Those of you who have not, do not be be discouraged. Do not. The last thing you should be is discouraged. Because the devil is going to lie to you. I didn't get it my first time. No, 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 no. I had to wait. Oh, I I doubted myself. I said, oh, man, man, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a good enough Christian. I guess I'm not praying enough in order to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Bertle, did you get it your first time? Yes or no? No, you didn't because I was praying for you and you didn't receive it. But where, when did you get it, brother? You got it by yourself in your room on your bed. Because he was desperate for it. Because he did not let the devil lie to him. Because he did not let himself uh, uh, hear the lies of the devil saying, you're not good enough. You haven't been praying enough. You haven't been a good enough Christian. He said, to hell with that. I want it now, God. And he received it. Because he was on another level of desperation. Because he was on a whole other level of eagerness for the fire. A whole nother level. Elevate a whole nother level. Another level unimaginable. You cannot even grab it because it seems so far for some of you. You might hop and jump trying to reach for it because it seems so impossible for you. But 
you do not understand that it is on your lap. It is in front of you. We need to embrace it. We need to say, Lord, it is in front of me. And I accept it, Lord, because I want to be on that other level. I want to be on that other level, Lord. Change me. And how does it start? By giving yourself away. By giving yourself away to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Hallelujah. I give myself away so you can use me. I, Adolfo Alvarez, give myself to you, Jesus Christ, so you, my Lord and my Savior, my rock, my foundation, my everything on this world may use me. Do not let the devil lie to you. We are going on another level. Hallelujah. We are going on another level. Hallelujah. Oh! <laughs> Jesus! Oh, 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 another level, God. Another level, Jesus. Another level, Jesus. Oh, Elevate another level. Revival starts. Now, Jesus, oh, and my message today is such confirmation from the Lord, it makes me want to cry right now, but I can't cry, I don't got time because I got to preach, oh, oh, what a confirmation, the revival starts now, that's all I kept on saying. That's all I kept on hearing. Whatever I heard, I said. Whatever I heard, I said. And I heard revival starts now. And now indicates a beginning, correct? Does now indicate a beginning? Guess what the Lord gave me yesterday? A series that we are going to start in the book of Matthew. And the series is entitled, The Beginning. (laughs) The series is called, The Beginning. And the beginning is now, and the revival starts tonight. Hallelujah. Oh, Woo! The beginning, the beginning, the beginning, the beginning. And specifically today's message for the series of the beginning 
is called, is entitled, The Call. Somebody say, The Call. (laughs) Those of you who think you are called, say, I am called. Those of you who think you are called, say, I am called. In Jesus' name, I am called. Shorababasi. Oh. Oh. Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4. Oh, Rabasi. Oh. And the reason I wanted to bring it back to the beginning is because I look up to Paul's writing so much and I look up to Peter's writing so much, but I, I've drifted away slightly from the actual writings and the teachings specifically of Jesus Christ himself. <laughs> Scroll down for me, sister, just slightly. More, 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 more. Wait, stop. Go up. There we go. The beginning. What's that title right there above verse 12? Jesus. The second word. What is it? Jesus. To preach. (laughs) Oh. Let's skip down just a little bit. And we're going to go to verse 17. From that time on, Jesus began to preach. Repent for the kingdom of God. For the kingdom of heaven is near specifically we are going to start on verse 18 the calling of the first disciples somebody say the calling of the first disciples hallelujah now we read on verse 18 says as Jesus was walking beside the sea of Galilee now sister I'm going to ask that you put on the first map for me please do not let your fire go, Lord. Ah, Jesus. Now, those of you smart kids, you know that this is a map of the world. The United States is here. We are right here, specifically in Chicago. And we are about to take a trip to here. Now, next slide. Focus. We're right there now. Next slide, sister. Now, we're in that area. Now, we're going to zoom in again. And we're going to go right here. Okay? And now, the Mediterranean Sea. We have Italy over here and Rome up there. Greece, I mean. Now, so you know where we're at right here. Now, I want to zoom in. Specifically, in this area. This is the Jordan River going right down here. Now zoom in. Next slide. So, bam. This is the Jordan River. You see it? And somebody reads me out loud where Jesus is at. The first sentence. What does it say? Danny, what does it say? Nice and loud. It's Liz. It says in verse 18, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee. Back to the map, sister. Thank you. We see the Sea of Galilee right here. It connects to the Jordan River. And specifically, Jesus is right here. Around this area. Okay? So you guys got it? I want you to get a visual of where Jesus is at when he's riding. 
when he's saying these things. Amen? So you know where he's at. Now let's go back to the scripture. Verse 18. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. How many so far? Two. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and went the other way. At once they left their nets and went the other way. Yes or no? Yes or no? At once they kept their nets and kept on fishing. Yes or no? At once they left their nets and followed him. Verse 21, going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. How many so far? Four. They were in the boat with their father, Zebedee, <laughs> Zebedee, whatever, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat, and their father followed him. They left the boat with his father, and they followed Jesus. Amen? Sister, if you put my mic just a little bit down. Here, just off of reading that, just off of reading that, here we see that Jesus begins to develop his core disciples, right? What's the title of it? What was the title of it? Nice and loud, nice and loud. One, two, three. The calling of the first disciples. So the calling of the first disciples, we see that Jesus begins to develop his core right there. He begins to get his calling. And what's the, t- the title of the message? The No, that's the series. The title of, of this message, The Call of a disciple. Now, everybody say, in the count of three, I want you to say nice and loud. Repeat after me. Say, math a tis. Math math a tis. Math a tis. Math a tis. Math a tis. That is the Greek word for disciple. That is the Greek word for, ma- for disciple. Mathetus. Mathetus. Amen. We learn within this scripture that the disciples were called by Christ and followed Jesus daily, specifically for how long? Three years. Three years. Every single day they were with Jesus. They ate with Jesus. They spoke with Jesus. They were discipled by Jesus. They slept next to Jesus. So how many of you know, as a result of that, they established a pretty deep relationship with Him? Right? Amen? So if we are called, and how many are called, say amen. If we are called today, why should it be any different from the original disciples 2,000 years ago? And I'm speaking about the relationship aspect. Why should it be any different? Why should we not eat with Jesus? Why should we not sleep next to Jesus? Why should we not constantly speak with Jesus? Why can we not constantly be discipled by Jesus and His words. If you have a calling, if you have the passion, if you have the right heart, there will be no difference 
between today and 2,000 years ago as a disciple. Amen? There should be no difference. The calling is a calling. If you are called, you are called. If you are called, you are destined. You have a future with Christ. And your future consists of discipleship. Your future consists of being mentored by the words of Jesus Christ himself. Come on, let me get an amen, somebody. Come on, let me get an amen, somebody. Let me get an amen from somebody. Somebody needs to help me preach today. I will not lose the passion. I will not lose the fire because it is the beginning. Because revival starts tonight, amen. We cannot be like the world because the world rejects Jesus. We cannot be like the world because the world rejects Jesus and at one point it will reject you. It will reject you. The world will not be your friend anymore. Oh, what do we know about discipleship? If you're, how many of you are getting disciples? Give me an amen one more time. So you disciples, what do we know about discipleship? What does Jesus say about, about discipleship? If we don't know something, we're not sure about something. If we need to learn about something, we go to our main source. And what's our main source? One more time. Let's go to the Bible then. Amen? Let's go to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. Let me get amen when you're there. Go to verse 25. Luke chapter 14, verse 25. What is the title of that passage? The cost of being a disciple. The cost. Hey, it's going to cost you something. Now let's learn what Jesus says. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said. Oh, hold on. Why don't you turn in that picture for me, sister? Who has their Bible? Raise your hand. Who does not have their Bible? Get to somebody that you can share with, because that's what we're going to focus on right there. That's Jesus, and he's talking to the crowd. He's preaching. He's preaching, somebody. That is the beginning 2,000 years ago. And guess what? We have a new beginning today. We're going to focus on that. Jesus, our Lord and our Savior, because we got to focus on His words, because His words established the beginning of our lessons. His words established the core, the core, the meanings of everything that we learn. Shia Rababasi. 
Luke chapter 14, verse 25. The cost of being a disciple. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. Turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. He cannot be my disciple. Verse 27. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? For if he lays the foundation and it is not a- and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, "This fellow, be- this fellow began to build and was not able to finish." Verse thirty-one. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Will he not first sit down and consider whether he is able to? with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? Verse 32. If it is not, if he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. Now this requires a little bit of thinking from some of you. Verse 33. In the same way, And any of you who does not give up everything, who does not give up everything, he has not, he cannot be my disciple. Hmm. Let's study that passage just a little bit, shall we? First, somebody say first we find out that Jesus demands all of our hearts and not just some of it. Everybody say, Jesus demands all of my heart. Not just some of it. So, when he said hate, because what did he say? If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, his mother, his wife, his children, and brothers and sisters, and yes, even his own life, he does not mean literally hate yourself. By hate, he did not mean literally, but he meant it in the sense of love less. If you need to love your parents less than you love me, you need to love yourself less than you love me, you need to love your boyfriend, your girlfriend less than you love me. You need to love me more than your mother. You need to love me more than your boyfriend, than your girlfriend. You need to love Jesus more than you do yourself when you look in the mirror putting up your hair. And I have to tell myself that sometimes. (laughs) I said, Lord, I love you more than I love myself. Looking like a hot mess right now. All sweaty. So how many of you guys understand that concept? The first thing we find out through that scripture is that we need to love Jesus more 
than anything and anybody else. The second thing we find out is that Jesus demands for us to carry our cross. What exactly does that mean? Does that mean we physically need to carry the same type of cross that Jesus carried on his back when he was being crucified? Does that mean I have to carry that thing on my back? Yes or no? So what does he mean? Let's go to the, the slideshow real quick for me, sister. Let me see if I control this. Yes. First Peter. Chapter 2, and those of you who are taking notes, please take notes because this is about to blow your mind. 1 Peter, chapter 2, verse 21. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Number 1. Number 2. Acts, chapter 10, verse 39. We are witnesses of everything he did. In the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem, they killed him by hanging him on the tree, which is the cross. Number three, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning in its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Matthew chapter 27, verse 39. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. Coming to him, as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Again, we hear that. But what does it mean? The cross of Christ is a symbol of six things. I want you guys to pay attention now. And I want you to take notes of those scriptures. The cross that Jesus tells us to carry symbolizes six things. Number one, suffering. First Peter chapter 2. Verse 21, like we read, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. So the first one is suffering. The second symbol is death. Acts chapter 10, verse 39, we are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on the tree, which we know is the cross. Number three, the third symbol, shame. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame 
and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The next example, ridicule. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads, thinking they know more than him. The, third, the next uh, uh, symbol, rejection. Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. The next symbol, self-denial. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. We have how many? Six. Am I right? Six symbols. Self-denial. Rejection. Ridicule. Shame. Death. Suffering. We have those six right there. Those are the things that Christ had, in, had to endure while carrying his cross. So spiritually, we have to carry our cross and endure the suffering, endure the rejection, endure the hurt, endure the death in the sense of our flesh. Jesus tells us that anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. If you cannot bear to carry those things, those six things, sister, if you cannot bear to, uh, to carry those six things, bam, 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 you cannot be his disciple. That's what Jesus said. Meaning that you cannot be like the world because the world rejects Jesus and at one point it will reject you. Just like the world rejected Jesus. Third. Somebody say third. Somebody say third. Somebody say the third thing we learn about Jesus is in verse 28. <laughs> You don't have to say it out loud, brother. Let's turn back to Luke chapter 14, verse 28. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? So we find out that whoever wants to become a disciple must first decide whether he or she is, to, is prepared to pay the cost of being a disciple. So first we find that, that Jesus demands all of our hearts. Second, we find out that we need to carry our cross spiritually and carry knowing that we're going to get rejected, knowing that we're going to get insults hurled at us, knowing that we're going to die to our flesh. And third, we need to sit down and think about, okay, Am I going to decide whether I am prepared to pay the cost of being a disciple? Am I prepared? <laughs> now, it's, it's not so 
twinkly in your eye to think that you're a disciple anymore, does it? It's a little more harder now, isn't it? It's a little more in depth now, is it? You see, Jesus never promised us a beautiful life. He promised us just the opposite. He promised us that because people hated him, they will hate us. <laughs> how, many, how many people hated you, uh, you guys, the mission team at New Orleans? How many people hated you, literally hated you, and wanted to punch you? Somebody punched my brother in the chest. Somebody was charging full speed at Pastor Griselda to tackle her and to hurt her physically. People will want to hurt you. People hated Jesus, they will hate you. Are you prepared for the cost of being a disciple? Well, you know what? Let's go a little off of my message. Let's go to John chapter 21. How many times did Peter reject Jesus? And he left. He said, I can't do this anymore. And Peter is the only person that we see that Jesus actually goes after. Anybody else you read in the Bible who said, I can't do it, like the rich man? Gee, what did Jesus say to the rich man? Sell everything you have, give it to the poor and follow me. And the rich man said, I can't do it. And he left, never to be seen again. Did Jesus go back after him? He didn't. Anybody else in the Bible? He didn't. No, no. But Peter, he went back for it. In verse 15, we see that uh, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you, Jesus said. Feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? Keep in mind, I want you to put yourself in Peter's position right now. Pretend you're Peter and, and pretend that the Lord is saying, do you truly love me? And he asked you once already, what are you going to say? Yeah, God, I love you. Of course I do. Right? So he said, to, he said to you, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said to you guys, do you truly love me? You answer, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. Go, take care of my sheep. A third time, he said to him, he said to you guys, do you love me? For the third time, he asked. You said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to you, feed my sheep. What does that mean? If you truly love Jesus, you will not only be a sheep, you will not only be a disciple, because disciples are sheep, and pastors and your leaders are shepherds. You know what a shepherd is? A person that watches the sheep, that makes sure they're, they're okay, that directs them to the right path, right? That's a shepherd. Now he's saying to you guys, as sheep, because we're all sheep here, we're all disciples, he said, now go take care of my sheep. 
Meaning you as a disciple go out and make more disciples. You as a disciple go out and take care of my sheep, Jesus said. Take care of my children. Amen? Back to the message. The goal of a disciple, the goal, your goal, how many people are so called after hearing the, uh, the cost of being a disciple? Let me get an amen. Sounds a little weak right now. Some of you are a little scared, I think. I hope not. I rebuke that fear in Jesus' name. I rebuke that spirit of fear in Jesus' name. I rebuke that spirit of fear of being a disciple of Jesus Christ in Jesus' name. And I bind it in Jesus' name. You are called. You are called. You are chosen, young men and women of God. Declare your calling. Your goal, disciples of Christ in this room, elevate, is to have an intimate relationship with Jesus and become like Jesus. That is your call. That is your goal. God did not just call us to suffer and to put us to work all the time. That's not, that's not going to be every day. He calls us first to know Him and to have an intimate relationship with our Father. That's what He calls us first. When He called you, when He knocked on your door, in your heart, and He said, I want you for Myself. I want you for Myself, Mari, I want you for Myself. When He said that to you, Aaron, when He said, I want you for Myself, He didn't say, I want you to suffer. He didn't say, I want you to do this and that. He wanted you to have an intimate relationship with Him. Imagine the original disciples began, imagine if they just began to lose interest in Jesus Christ and their relationship with Him. Imagine that. They would have never have done the things they did. Never. No miracles. No signs. No wonders. No healings. If they began to drift away from the relationship of Christ. Just because you see Him every day doesn't mean you're really close to Him. Just because you're always hearing about Him doesn't mean you're personally really close to Him. You yourself as called young men and women of God, as disciples, must continuously be intimate with Him. You must continuously speak to Him. You must continuously cry out to Him, say, Lord, come into my life, renew my spirit, begin a revival in my heart, new every day. Every single day, let it be new, God. That's my prayer, Lord, let me get a new fire, Jesus. Can you imagine if the disciples didn't do that? If they began to drift away from Jesus? 
How many know if I sit down with Aaron every single day and we talk, but I don't begin to really pour out to him or we don't really begin to um, be, uh, share our, our, our thoughts and really be uh, in tune with each other, we're not really going to get to know each other. We're not really going to get anywhere. I'm probably not even going to be able to know your last name within a month. You know what I'm saying? Now imagine the relationship you need to have with Christ every day. Every day. Let it be new. Every day let it be new in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 We should not be different from any any of the original disciples. We must have a deep, a deep relationship with Christ. It is through the relationship with Him that we begin to look, that we begin to feel, and that we begin to act like Him. It is through the relationship, through the relationship you have with Jesus Christ, you begin to look, you begin to feel, and you begin to act like Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Lord, I just want to look like you. I just want to feel like you, Lord. I just want to act like you, Jesus. Oh. In closing, turn to your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Second Corinthians chapter three, verse eighteen. It is through the relationship with him we must begin to look, feel, and act like him. Paul says it so simply in verse eighteen. And we who with unveiled faces, meaning you have nothing in your face right now, you're clean, all reflect, you elevate, all reflect the Lord's glory and being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Hallelujah. You elevate must all reflect like a mirror reflects the Lord's glory. Hallelujah. Shira baba baba rosoto. Shira baba baba rosoto.